It is the first international FIFA window of the new year, and it's a week U.S. soccer fans have been waiting for for quite a long time. This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Kolarsep, and I'm back. We're back. I know there was a bit of a delay. I'm, I'm sure some of you were waiting quite a while for the next show to come out. Uh, apologies for that delay, but we're back, and we're back just in time to talk about what was an exciting week in MLS and what is going to be one heck of a week uh, for American soccer. Uh, so much going on. You have the U.S. national team playing in World Cup qualifying. The U23s playing in the Olympic qualifying playoff. And, then, and we're coming off of an MLS uh, week that saw uh, some seriously surprising results, some impressive results, and uh, and some teams that are at or near the top of the heap that might, might, might have people scratching their heads. So we'll, we'll cover all that. Uh, first, we have to obviously start off with the U.S. national team. It is an international FIFA uh, date, FIFA window. <clears throat> the U.S. will be playing Guatemala in World Cup qualifiers uh, on Friday and Tuesday. Uh, we, I'll, I'll, the plan is for me to have a show uh, that uh, that will drop on Friday or Thursday night or Friday. It would be a shorter show uh, that will be specifically previewing uh, the upcoming U.S. matches and the handful of MLS matches. Uh, this show... We'll look back on uh, on week three of MLS, which there, there's plenty to talk about there. And obviously the U.S. roster, the U23 roster, uh, they both came out over the weekend. And uh, there's plenty to chew on there as far as those go. Uh, and we'll start off with the U.S. roster. Clint Dempsey is back. I know some people were starting to get worried. Uh, would we see him back again? Is he getting Landon donovan by Jurgen Klinsmann? Uh, no need to worry there. He is back. Uh, he hadn't been back since the uh, CONCACAF Cup. But Jurgen Klinsmann has brought him in uh, for these World Cup qualifiers, and, and you really can't be surprised. I mean, I mean, he's still one of the top players. Uh, and they definitely need him, especially with uh, Josie Atador uh, recovering, coming back, just recently coming back from a hamstring injury. Uh, not a ton of surprises on this roster. Um, there were a couple. I think Edgar Castillo might have turned some heads uh, when, when they saw that name on there. Uh, but to be fair to him, he's been starting for Monterrey, uh, the top team in Mexico, and and you know there's something to be said for that. Is he is he is he still a bad defender? I think that's fair to say, but <clears throat> he does give you quite a bit going forward, and maybe he's improved defensively now. So so he's not as much of a liability. At least that's what uh, Jurgen Klinsmann will be hoping for. Uh, when the U.S. takes on Guatemala. And I'll tell you what, I think he could start in that game, in both those games. But uh, we shall see. Uh, among some of the other surprises, uh, I mean, I think Michael Orozco, is he, is it still a surprise at this point? I mean, it's clear Jurgen Klinsmann is a big fan, even though he's not even playing or even dressing for Club Tijuana. Um, I don't know I don't know if you risk putting him out there in, in games that matter. So I think that one's a little surprise. And as far as surprises of, of players who didn't make it, uh, I'd say... Jorge Villafania, for me, I still don't get what the deal is with uh, Klinsman just not uh, not rating him or, or, or not choosing not to bring him in yet. Obviously, you bring in an Edgar Castillo. He prefers Castillo to Villafania. Um, and look, he knows he knows Castillo. He's had him in. He's had him on his teams before. He hasn't had Villafania. So, I mean, from that standpoint, I can kind of understand that. Uh, the other su- Somewhat surprising absent for me was Danny Williams, uh, who I thought, you know what, he's playing really well at Reading. He's earned his chance to <clears throat> be in that conversation uh, for the next generation of defensive midfielders, but he didn't get the call. Uh, and and I really wonder how much that terrible showing against Costa Rica last fall ha- has 
pretty much convince Jurgen Klinsmann that he's not the answer. And, and you know, uh, I don't know. I, for me, look, Beckerman and Jones, they're still, they're still solid. They're still good. But at some point, you have to start looking at guys who can who can replace them. And I don't know if we've seen that yet. Uh, the fact that he hasn't called in Danny Williams for this suggests that he's gonna that Jurgen Klinsmann is gonna be riding with Beckerman and Jones uh, for a while, <laughs> all the way through Copa America. So um, you know, we'll see if that that that's how that pans out. But that that was surprising to me. Omar Omar Gonzalez is back. That is not a surprise. He's definitely earned that. Playing really well in Mexico. Uh, you know, he, he's, he, the move is, is the move from MLS to Mexico has worked out excellently for him. I think he needed that, that change of scenery to motivate him and to really kind of help him step his game up. He's, he had stagnated, he had stagnated with the galaxy and now he's, he's moved on and he's, he's doing really well. So it's good to see him back. Does he start against Guatemala? That, that, that's a conversation for the next episode. Uh, there's some tough competition there, so it won't necessarily be easy for him to step in and, uh, and get that starting spot. Um, but as far as the team goes, Fabian Johnson was called in, even though he has an injury. Uh, I, for me, I don't think he'll play. I, I think he's called. He's been called in to kind of train and see where he is, and and, and maybe they they're holding out hope that he could play in the next game. But I, I wouldn't expect him to play in this first game, and probably neither. Um, but you know what? You bring him in, you take a look at him. Uh, Josie Altador, Josie Altador is in camp. Um, he he did play for Toronto FC in their most recent game, so he's fit at least to play some. Uh, is he fit enough to start uh, in, or in, or go ninety? I mean, I don't know if that's the case, but at least he's an option now to play in these games. Uh, Bobby Wood, another player who's in. Bobby Wood's out in in the best form of any American I think on earth right now. Uh, he's just he just can't stop scoring. He just set the, the recently set the record for most. Most goals uh, by an American in uh, in one of the top two German leagues. I know that's a very specific record, but still credit to him. The Bundes- Bundesliga, the two Bundesliga, the, the German second division is not is not a pushover. It really isn't. It's a very good league. So credit to him for for the way he's playing. And for me, he should probably start against Guatemala. So uh, you know, no surprises there on that front. Uh, there's still some questions uh, as far as the lineup goes and who's going to play. We'll talk about that. I'll talk about that on the next episode. Uh, as I said, we'll ha- I'll have a show, uh, a shorter show, uh, to preview everything. Uh, hopefully, dropping on Friday morning. Um, I will not be headed to Guatemala. I'm actually going to Washington D.C. with my family, kind of taking advantage of, of the rare uh, road World Cup qualifier that I that, that I've missed. I have I, I think I don't know how many qualifiers in a row I've been to it's been a while that since I since I missed the qualifier but I will not be in Guatemala uh for that one uh, I'll be checking out the monuments and the and the uh the history down in DC with my family um but yes the U.S. plays on Friday they play down in Guatemala City not an easy place to play I know most would expect them to go in there and win they haven't beaten they haven't lost to Guatemala in a long time but at the same time it's still a very tough place to play and they always really have to work hard to get results there even though they should be the heavy favorite. Uh, it still works out that way that they they struggle, and and I don't know if that's going to necessarily change this time around either. Um, moving on to the U.S. Under Twenty Three team that will be heading down to Colombia to take on the Cafeteros of Colombia uh, with the spot in the Olympics on the line, and uh, the, this one that that this would that's a that's a real do or die you know obviously the u.s against guatemala in world cup qualifying it's important but 
you know, they should probably win. And even if they don't win both, they'll, they'll be in good shape for qualifying. But the U23s have no margin for error. They're playing this two-game series against Colombia. Winner goes on to Rio. Loser goes home. And uh, the Andy, Andy Herzog has called in his squad for that. Uh, no, I don't know if the, I wouldn't say there's any huge surprises. Obviously, Cameron Carter-Vickers uh, suffered an injury, and he was left off the team. That's a, that's a tough loss for them, for sure. Uh, his partnership with uh, Matt Miazga was was a very good one, and and I think that they're gonna miss they're gonna miss him. Uh, but they're still a solid team. Uh, they managed to get most of the players that that you would imagine that they wanted. Uh, in for this one, DeSavio Payne is in the Groningen fullback. I thought that was a pretty good one uh, for them to get. Uh, Julian uh, Julian Green is in, uh, and one and one call up that I, I was very uh, I was very happy to see was Paul Ariola, a guy who. Is playing so well in Mexico. He hadn't been a part of the 23s uh, before now. So you kind of wondered, would Andy Herzog take a look at him? And it looks like his recent breakthrough at Tijuana finally turned the heads of, of Andy Herzog and his staff, and they've called him in. And I'll tell you what, I think he's going to end up playing a big role on this team. Um, we don't see Gideon Zellman on. He hasn't made it. Uh, no word on why. He hasn't been playing lately for Rangers. Um, it's un. I haven't heard anything about an injury or if it's just a case of him kind of falling out of favor there. Uh, but I hadn't heard great things about Zellim uh, as far as with being within this U23 group. Uh, it should be pointed out he's actually young enough to be part of the next U23 group. And maybe this, this is just a case where, you know, he, he's a younger player. He hasn't he didn't fit right. He didn't really fit in. Uh, maybe he needs it to grow up. He needs a little more growing up to do. He needs a little more maturing. I know he's a super skilled, talented player, but... Uh, if, if this U23 team has one thing, it's it, it's uh, it has a stacked midfield. When you talk about guys like Emerson Hyndman, Will Trapp, um, it, Luis Gill, it, it's a, it's a very good midfield group. So they're they're not. I don't think they're going to miss them one bit in the midfield. Uh, but that you know, Jordan Morris is in. It's a really solid team. But the question is how they're going to do against Colombia, uh, the Colombian team that's been called in. They're mostly domestic based players, but there are some European based players. Uh, they'll be at home in the first leg down in, I believe, in Cartagena is the, is, is the first game, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, that's going to be the test for the U.S. is to make sure they don't get uh, you know, blown out in that first leg to keep it close, maybe even get a draw and, uh, and then re- and, and bring it back to, to Frisco, Texas for the second leg. So we'll see. We'll see how Andy Herzog uh, puts that team together. Uh, I think they're going to be able to create chances for sure. The question is going to be defensively. Will they be able to handle and contain uh the colombians that's going to be the big question mark there so uh we'll, we'll preview that match on i'll preview that match on friday um we'll see uh, we'll try to get try to get some guests on uh it's been a bit of a crazy week or so um but uh the plan is to try to get maybe maybe a player or two for that that next show to kind of fill it out and and see who i can get on the horn as far as my my colleagues to to, to join me for that uh our buddy paul tenorio is in the process of, uh, of moving right now uh, getting all this stuff together in chicago having recently moved from orlando so we haven't been able to kind of uh get together to, to to have him back on but i'm sure we will have him back on my man garrett cleverly uh we keep working on trying to get him on but it's always it just never works out schedule wise so uh, at some point, we'll get him on, just so everybody knows. For those for, for the members of the Garrett Cleverly fan club, he will be back, so let's not worry about that. <laughs> um, uh, moving on, 
obviously MLS week three is come and gone, and there was there, there was there was drama. There was there, there was uh, some there were some boring games, and there were some really exciting, crazy games. I was lucky enough to go to three games in person myself, uh, and I and I it ran the it ran the full gamut of different type of games. There was you know there was a boring game, there was an okay game, and there was a, a absolutely wild crazy game. Uh, I saw a little bit of everything, but we'll we'll start. We'll have to kick things off. Uh, with the New York Red Bulls, their 4-3 victory over the Houston Dynamo. I was there at Red Bull Arena in an absolutely crazy game and a real statement game for the Red Bulls. Uh, they needed they needed a win. They needed a win, and the way they responded in that game uh, to be trailing, they came back twice. Uh, but to to come to come off to come off the mat when you're down three two, uh, you'd used all three subs to, because of injuries. Crazy enough. Uh, you're playing a dangerous Dynamo team, and then to rally from three-two down with two late goals and to beat them, I mean, a huge victory for them. Uh, the way they responded to all the adversity was, was really impressive, uh, and it really showed kind of a championship spirit in that group. And and we hadn't seen that in the first couple of weeks. I mean, the, the the first two games of the season were not impressive by any stretch for the Red Bulls. They looked flat. They they just looked unimaginative. They look they just lacked energy. It just didn't look at all like the team that won the Supporters Shield a year ago. We finally saw that team uh, in this game after they went down. We saw the response and the reaction. We and, and and if you're Jesse Marsh, as much as it it'd probably be a lot easier on your heart to win a very simple one zero game, I think he learned a lot about his team in this four three victory. For those of you who missed it, real, uh, break it down real quickly. Uh, they suffered injuries early on. Gonzalo Verón gets hurt. Gideon Ba gets hurt. And then Ronald Zubar gets hurt in the second half. So all of a sudden, you're missing both your center backs. You're missing one of your most dangerous players in, in Verón. And you're out of all your subs. And at that point, this team could have definitely collapsed. And, 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 just, and, and, and no one would have really blamed them on the loss, considering everything that went wrong. But you know what? They rallied. Felipe Martins scored a pair of unbelievable goals, particularly the free kick goal to win it. Uh, so they responded and, and and played extremely well. And and if if they can play like that, they'll they'll be uh, they'll be hard to stop. Uh, they still there's still questions about their defense, obviously, um, especially now with these injuries. Um, we'll see what happens there and 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 what they do, especially if if Zubar and Ba have to miss extended playing time. That could that could hurt them. Luckily for them. They're on a bye week now. Um, as far as the Houston Dynamo go, I have to say they're a good team, and they are. And, and I think if anything, they got they got caught being a bit naive. When you take the three two lead, you have to be able to manage the game better than they manage the game. And I think they missed uh, Chaco Maidana a bit, someone who could kind of uh, you know hold on to the ball and kind of try to keep possession and, and keep the Red Bulls from making it a crazy game at the end. There, um, obviously, they were missing him. They were missing uh, Tyler Derrick, even though. Joe Willis, I thought, did a really good job, even though he gave up four goals. Uh, they were missing Giles Barnes. But this Dynamo team is very good, I'm telling you. Um, as much as blowing a 3-2 lead doesn't doesn't look good for you, uh, it, they, there's still a lot of quality there. I think Wen- Andrew Wenger's playing well. Will Bruins playing well. Um, we saw Bonia Garcia do some good things in this game as well. So we haven't heard the last of this Dynamo team. I think they're going to take a lesson from this loss to the Red Bulls, and, and they're going to be they're going to be a handful all year. Uh, next up, we have the the Cascadia Derby, Seattle, Vancouver. A lot of controversy in this one. Uh, some questionable calls. One clear-cut, blown penalty call. 
Uh, and then another controversial play that, that, that there's been a lot of conjecture about, uh, a, a lot of kind of differing views as far as, you know, what was it, you know, was it a penalty? Was it a clean tackle? Um, for those who missed it, Vancouver, uh, they, they won scoring on two penalty kicks. The first one was a, 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 just a phantom play. Uh, Christian Bolanos tripped over his own feet, or he tripped on the turf, like the turf monster sometimes. For those of you who've never been on artificial turf, uh, your feet can kind of get caught up in it, and you can trip as you're running. And that's what happened to him. He fell. He fell on his own, and uh, it just so happened that Joven Jones was right near him, and, and it looked like he might have gotten tripped up in the area. Penalty call, blown call, and... Uh, you know, Vancouver, they, they convert the penalty. And then the second play, Blas Perez running in on goal. Uh, Chad Marshall races in to cut him off, to clear the ball. And Mar- Chad Marshall slides in to clear the ball away as they're racing into the penalty area. Blas, Blas Perez, see, you know, he obviously sees Marshall go to ground. He sees him kind of go for the slide tackle. And Perez runs into Marshall. Like, he kind of he, he kind of changes his stride to to run into Marshall to to basically clatter to get clattered by Marshall uh and then the penalty got called and and when you look at the play obviously on slow mo it's a lot easier to see uh you know Marshall appeared to did appear to get the ball but he also got Perez and and yes Perez initiates the contact but you know you can't as a defender you run the risk of a call like that when you leave your feet and and Marshall to his credit this week afterwards he he said you know he probably shouldn't have left his feet and 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 you know open the door for the referee to make a decision and look love Blas Perez or hate him the guy knows how to play and he knows the tricks and he knows that as he's running and he sees the, the defender going to ground he knows that hey you know if I run into him I can get a call and he got the call and you know call it dirty call it cheating call it gamesmanship but you know what as a, as a defender, you have to be fully aware of that stuff, and that's the the risk you run when you leave your feet in, on a play like that in a penalty area. And this and that's the reason why you don't see defenders do that that often. They don't leave their feet because it's not it's a risky play. And I know Seattle fans don't want to hear that. I know they'll you know a lot on Twitter uh, there, there were hand, there were a bunch of, of of Seattle fans that were kind of like, well, if it's a legal play, it shouldn't matter. It should count. And it's just like so. Like my analogy, like that, that came to mind, and whether or not it works or not is, it's like if it's like if you're driving along, right, and you're passing through an intersection, and there's a cop at the intersection, and you're coming up on a yellow. You know you can get the yellow, right? You know you can make the yellow light easy, um, but you're gonna have to speed it up a bit. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna are you gonna speed up and get through that yellow, or are you gonna slow down? And, and, you know, avoid any any issues, avoid, uh, you know, a traffic stop that you don't need to deal with. Um, just because you run that yellow and make it like you still open the door for any any sort of possibilities there. Uh, maybe even a red light ticket that, you know, you fight and lose. So that it, it, <laughs> you can you can tell me if the analogy works or not works. But basically, it's do you take that chance or not? And I don't think I don't think Marshall should have taken the chance. Um, it's unfortunate for him because it was a good play. It's a good play, but it's a tough play. So, uh, as much as I rip refs more than anybody, um, it's a that that's a bang bang play for a ref to and to get that call right. It, it's tough. It's easy. It's easy for us watching the replays to see every everything on that kind of sequence. You know what I mean? So that's that's why it's a little tough call. But back to the main back to the game itself. 
Seattle loses their own three now, and there's already kind of this sense of panic setting in uh, in Seattle. I feel, uh, and it's, Seattle's not that bad. This, they're zero three, but they're not zero three bad. They're not that. It's just things have not worked out for them the way these some of these results have gone. Uh, Siggy Schmidt obviously is feeling the heat. Um, he came into the season. Uh, with, with kind of a mandate that, you know what, they need to win a championship, and now they're 0-3, and it's not looking good for them. Um, the the fire Siggy chance will start pretty soon if they don't turn things around. Uh, I don't think they're in that bad of shape. I think I think that 4-3-3 system's not working. Uh, uh, they need to go get a playmaker. I think that's the, the, the paramount thing for them. I've said it all season. I've said it in I don't know how many episodes. They need to go get a playmaker. They need to maybe scrap the 4-3-3. And plug in a playmaker there, and uh, and then maybe they'll they'll start to create more chances. Uh, I, I think I don't think they're playing at Clint Dempsey's strengths when they're working everything, trying to work everything wide. Um, and I really think Clint Dempsey's got to be the guy you build around and really work your attack around. And to do that, I think you need to get a playmaker. So we'll see if Siggy Schmidt and uh, Garth Lagerwey can get that done and sign that DP playmaker that they need. Uh, Moving on now, uh, jumping uh, back to the first game of the week, NYCFC Orlando City. I was at that game at Yankee Stadium. wasn't the most exciting game, but it was actually a very good ta- tactical battle. Um, NYCFC paid the price for, for giving up an early goal. Kyle Aaron scoring his third in three matches, uh, and and that was pretty much the the goal that Orlando City needed to kind of sit back and counter and and really and really make things tough for NYCFC. I thought from a stylistic standpoint. Orlando City is, is really perfectly suited to to, to cause problems uh, for uh, for NYCFC because they, they play that four three two one with those three central midfielders that just clog things up in the middle and NYCFC even with their numbers in the middle playing a three four three it's just tough to get breakthrough they had to kind of change their approach and try to attack from the wings and that's not playing to their strengths and that's why we ended up with a pretty ugly game. Credit to Orlando City. Uh, I, I think they're 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 playing pretty well to start the year. Obviously, Kyle Aaron is doing his thing, and and now Kaká Kaká hasn't even been there, and they've still managed to go undefe- to be undefeated uh, through three matches. So Adrian Heath is, is feeling pretty confident. I still have questions about their defense, and I know they did post a shutout uh, on the road, and that's always a good thing. Um, but I still think, you know what, you get this team in space, you get this team on a big field. Uh, do they have the speed? Do they have what it takes to really uh, match up well uh, with other, with opposing attacks? Now you put them on a narrow field, small field like uh, like Yankee Stadium, it kind of definitely suits them, and it helps kind of conceal what I think are some flaws in their defense. But we'll see how we'll see how they do uh, going forward, and if uh, you know if if they can keep that going. Now they get Kaká back, though I think they'll they'll definitely be better in the attack. So they're they're, they're definitely. Uh, a team to watch. As far as NYCFC, uh, I know the 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 Poku chants have already begun. Another game where Poku doesn't play. I, for me, it, look if they have. I, I don't think Poku's the difference in this game. I don't think it's his absence that uh, makes the makes the difference in in this match. I think for me, Tommy McNamara and Mix Discrude are playing well, and he, you know, at that if those guys are playing well, who does Poku replace, right? I mean, he could say, okay, you can bring him off the bench, but Steven Mendoza is a bit of a bit more of a dynamic option. You could bring him on the wing. Um, so it's a tough situation right now for Poku. But you know what? When a team uh, doesn't get results, other guys are going to get chances. And uh, and the good thing for NYCFC, or the good thing for Poku, is NYC plays this week, even though it's international fixture date. 
Uh, Mixed Discrude is going to be with the U.S. team. So there will be that opportunity for Poku to play in, in their game this weekend. Uh, and that that's gonna against New England, and that's gonna be a good opportunity there. Because you know what, if he steps in there, he he's got to know if Poku steps in there and has a big game, <laughs> he's gonna really be putting the pressure on Patrick Vieira to to to, to play him. So uh, we'll see we'll see how that goes. Uh, jumping ahead to the actually last match that I watched this weekend, which was on Sunday, I was down in Chester for the Union's uh, match against New England, three uh, zero victory for Philadelphia. And I'll tell you what, this Philly team. Uh, when they beat Columbus, uh, you know, it was easy to kind of write it off and say, oh, it's a fluke. Uh, Columbus is, they just had a bad game. No, this, I'll tell you what, this Philly team is good. This Philly team is going to say, is it going to exceed expectations and is going to surprise people? Uh, and I know I feel like I say that all the time, but th- th- when you, when you watch this, this team and you see the pieces that they have and, 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 the, and the pieces that they've added and the way some players are playing, they really have all the elements to be a playoff team. You know, you have a striker in, in CG Sapong who can give you goals. They have a midfield that can create chances. Uh, they have a goalkeeper who can win a game single-handedly. Um, I still have some questions about their defense, but, hey, their defense pitched a shutout um, and looked pretty good doing it against New England. Obviously, New England was down a man, and that, that changes things. Um, but I think Philly's defense is coming along pretty well. And uh, and to do this without a Maurice Du, without a Vincent Noguera, um, very impressive. So, uh, I, you know what? They, I think they, they have the look of a playoff team. They do. They do. Um, it's it's still early, and they need to, to prove some things here. Uh, the schedule uh, works out, I think, in their favor in the next couple weeks. So we'll see. We'll see how they hold up and if they can keep that going. But it is crazy to think that, you know, they've won two in a row now. And they and last year it took them 13 games to win two, two games, right? This year it's taken them three games. Two years ago, it took them 12 games to win two games. So they're notoriously slow starting team, and they're off to a pretty damn good start. Uh, so watch out for them. As far as New England goes, uh, it was a bit of a weird game for them, right? I mean, obviously, you're on the road. You're probably playing for the draw. Uh, and then you go down a man. Uh, you give up the early goal. and Everything it just everything went wrong for, the, for New England. Um, they're not off to the best start. Um, they're probably, yes, they, they're probably missing Jermaine Jones. Uh, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Um, so there, there, there's some questions there for Jay Heaps as far as his team and, and, and what kind of team they're going to be this year. And if they're not careful, they're not going to be in the playoffs this year because I think the East is tough. The East is tougher than, than it was last year. And, and obviously they barely made it last year. So, um, New England better watch out. Uh, they don't slip too far. Obviously they're, they're one of these teams that, goes through these phases, these hot streaks and cold streaks. But you know what? If you fall behind too too you know too much in the East this year, I think they could end up missing the boat. Uh, moving on, speaking of Eastern Conference teams that, that, that could miss the boat and struggle, uh, the Chicago Fire and the Columbus Crew played to a 0-0 draw in, uh, in Chicago, in Bridgeview. And it, it was just an ugly game. The, 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 the less said about this game, the better. Uh, I would, I, I do want to talk about this fire attack and, and, the, or the lack of a fire attack. Uh, obviously Velko Panovic is working on his team. He's working on his system. He's working on his new players. He, he, he wants to solidify the defense after that, that thrashing in the opener. So from that standpoint, there's progress made when you can go from getting blown out and giving up four goals at home in your first home game to only to, to pitching a shutout in your second game against a very good crew attack. So from that standpoint, that's positive. Uh, I thought they did well 
handling the crew de- uh, crew attack. Jonathan Campbell, the rookie defender. I tell you what, I, I I was high on him going into the draft. I know he had a bit of a bit of a so-so mediocre combine, but the guy can play, and he's stepped in. He's stepping in and starting on this team. Everyone in the when it, we came into the season, everyone was talking about Brandon Vincent, Brandon Vincent, Brandon Vincent. But I tell you what, Jonathan Campbell is is, is going to be more important for them than Brandon Vincent because uh, you know you, if he can continue to play that uh, the way he's playing now, it's going to be tough to take him out of that lineup. As far as Columbus goes. I don't know what is going on with this team, right? I mean, they were they were the popular pick for Supporter Shield. They were my pick for Supporter Shield. Uh, they brought mo- everyone back, pretty much everyone. They brought all their key guys back. You thought they'd run run wild on the league, right? Run wild on the Eastern Conference. They haven't won a game in three. They're o two and one. One point from three matches for a team that was supposed to be the Supporter Shield favorite. What is going on? Um, you know, uh, I I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about Kai Kamara because uh, I feel like I've gotten on him the last couple couple weeks. But as far as their attack overall, uh, there's a lot of blame. There's plenty of blame to go around. And uh, if you're Greg Berhalter, you gotta you know maybe you gotta shake things up. They have depth on that team. They have players on the bench who who could who could step in and start. Maybe they need to shake some things up. Obviously, the bye week will help. You you would think or you'd hope if you're Columbus that the bye week will help sort some things out, but their schedule is pretty tough coming up, and things could kind of slide in a bad way pretty quickly for them. So it's going to be an important next couple of weeks for Columbus because they're 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 not off to a good start. Uh, next up, FC Dallas Montreal, and this was you know the game of the week uh, in my mind, and FC Dallas with a real statement victory, two zero, uh, beating Montreal, handing Montreal their first loss of the season, and uh, talking about a rebound. Uh, a team that was embarrassed a week earlier got spanked 5-0 by Houston. And for them to come back and not only pitch, pitch the shutout, but also get back in the scoreboard, uh, score two goals against a good Montreal defense. Um, credit to them. Credit to Oscar Pereja for getting his team to put that big loss behind them. And that's what they did. And that's just, for me, that's a sign of a of a good team. That's a sign of a championship-caliber team the performance that they had because you know what some other teams might not have been able to shake off that 5-0 loss and they did uh so credit to them especially a young team so that 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 for me was impressive montreal i wouldn't worry too much look montreal they look so good the first two weeks uh for them to go on a road and play a very good team and lose there's nothing to nothing to get too upset about obviously you figure oh we get you know you get didier drogba back and and that and and you should go three and oh but look drogba's you know he's gonna need to work to to get himself back to to where he needs to be Uh, you know he's not just stepping on the field and 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 scoring goals uh i mean it's easier to forget that last year montreal did put him through pretty a pretty extensive kind of uh training camp kind of situation before he started playing last year so you know, he's it, kind of in a similar boat now, uh, but it, it's going to take him some time, I think, to kind of really find his footing. Of course, he's still got a few more games to miss uh, because of artificial turf. But once he gets back, I think Montreal, will be, they'll be fine. And, and the East is wide open now. The East is wide open for them. Uh, so they're going to be right in that conversation. we got a couple more. Uh, we have four more games. Uh, I'll, I'll rattle through these pretty quickly so we don't have the show end up be too long. But... Uh, Portland and RSL, crazy game, ugly game, uh, some really chippy tackles and challenges, and it, these teams do not like each other at all, it seems, and, and there were some crazy, crazy moments. 
Portland was able to rally um, to, to get a point, and they actually could have won this game at the end. They were up two men. Uh, Kyle Breckman with a first with, with an early red card that that didn't help things obviously for RSL, but RSL still once again showing signs of being a team that's really going to surprise people, and that, you know it's starting to get to a point where people shouldn't be surprised. This RSL attack is going to be a handful this year. Uh, it was their defense that kind of let them down. Um, obviously, when you go down a man against a team like Portland in Portland, that's a, that's a huge challenge. But then Amison Olave, which for, for me was a pretty stupid play. Him and Fernando Adi were, were kind of tangled up. Fernando Adi steps in front of him, puts his arm out to kind of, uh, you know, to measure distance with, with, on, on the defender. You know, he's trying to kind of make sure he's got position. Uh, and and Amison Olave swings his arm out kind of petulantly, uh, like he was angry that, 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 that Adi's hand was near him, and he caught him in the face. Now, whether, whether or not he really caught him in the face, the point is they were standing in the penalty area, and then Olave swings his arm wildly. And you can't do that. You can't do that and put yourself in a position to get a call against you. And you know what? Hamison Olave is a great player, right? He, he's obviously fading a bit. He's not the player he used to be. But he's still a very good player. One thing he's always been is emotional. He's always been a bit of a guy who can lose his temper and, and lose his cool a bit. Uh, so, you know what? That's what that was. And as much as, you know, RSL fans might try to defend it, Defend him, blame Adi, uh, try to say Adi was the instigator. Um, no, stop trying to make excuses for your guy. He made a mistake, and it cost them. It cost them because you know what? They could have very easily gotten that win. Uh, but still, a point in Portland is nothing to sneeze at. And uh, I don't. As far as Portland goes, I, I don't. I you know I don't think Portland fans are panicking just yet. They're still anytime. You know, it's too early in the year, and all you got to do is look at that MLS Cup and say, you know what? It's gonna be all right. We got this MLS Cup, and it's a long season, so I don't think anyone in Portland is worried about them uh, dropping some points at home. Uh, the California Classico is up next, and uh, I should have probably had this earlier in the rundown, but here it is. LA 3-1 victory over San Jose. Obviously, a red card uh, made things a lot tougher for San Jose. Uh, and that was a red card, folks. I'm sorry. That was a red card. You don't, you don't go f- just randomly... Uh, trying to slide tackle the way Simon Dawkins did. And and you know what? He should probably stick to the attacking stuff and, and not try to... That was definitely an attacking player's challenge because it's just it was clumsy, it was unnecessary, and it was a deserved red card for him. And that just... that It was already going to be a tough assignment for San Jose. That made it that much tougher. L.A. and Jossie's artist with a couple of goals to, to really... Uh, you know, L.A. looked... They look closer to, to that kind of team that people thought they could be. Uh, they're not. They're obviously not there yet in terms of being being you know at their best at their peak. But they're headed in a good direction. Jela Van Damme, uh, here's a guy who you know he, he he it didn't start so great for him. But you know what? In this game, I think he showed his class. He showed his the potential. He showed the qualities that make you understand why the Galaxy went out and got him. Uh, he definitely gives you some some quality in the back in terms of. In terms of setting things up and, and his passing from the back, and you know what, he's going to need to continue to work on the defensive side of things as a center back because you know he wasn't really a center back much uh, when he was over in Europe. Um, but he's learning, he's learning, and uh, overall this LA team is pretty good. Uh, and again, no 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 Gio de Santos, and and they uh, they find a way to win. So I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to say, you know what, I don't know if they need Gio de Santos back. I don't know if they need maybe they need you know maybe they need to start. 
looking at uh, on moving him, whether, you know, selling him, transferring him, trading him in MLS. Maybe there's another MLS team that would take him. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, as far as San Jose, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much if I'm San Jose. I mean, you know, you lose it. You lose on the road to L.A. It's nothing to, nothing to be too embarrassed about. I think I still think they're going to be right there in the playoff conversation in the West. Um, and then we're down to our last two games. D.C. United, Colorado, not the prettiest game. 1-1 draw. Uh, Zach McMath will not want to remember this game. Uh, he had a bit of a blunder that, that helped D.C. Uh, earn the point in D.C., um, these are two teams that I just don't know. I don't, I don't really see going very far. Obviously, Colorado is feeling very good right now. They just signed Tim Howard. That was the big news of the weekend for them. They obviously recently signed Jermaine Jones or traded for Jermaine Jones. Uh, so they, they, they're feeling pretty good about their future. Um, I don't know if they're a playoff team this year. I still don't think they're going to be uh, because even when those guys come, Jones and, and, and well, when Howard comes in, in midseason, they the West is too tough. The West is too tough, and I'm still not convinced that Colorado has what it takes to be a playoff team this year. Um, and, and obviously, Pablo Mastroeni has to show that he can actually coach, and he hasn't shown that yet. So we'll see. As far as D.C. goes, my opinion hasn't changed much on them. Um, I think they, they need a goalkeeper now with all the, another another injury uh, at the goalkeeper position for them. They need a forward. They need a, they need a few things here, and you just don't know what kind of money they're looking to spend to, to really address these situations. And as that team stands, I just don't see them doing much this year, and I've obviously said that before. But another game goes by, and nothing, nothing there to sh- to, to suggest otherwise for me. Uh, last but not least, Sporting Kansas City with the one-zero victory over Toronto FC, and yes, there was a bit of a controversial play uh, that led to the winning goal. Uh, Brad Davis went in on a challenge with Justin Morrow. It was pretty short. It was like a shoulder-to-shoulder, pretty pretty fair challenge on that front. But it looked like on the replays that Brad Davis stepped on Justin Morrow. And that led to Morrow f- tripping and falling. Is it a foul? I mean, for me, if I'm the ref there, I call the foul. Um, definitely on a replay, when you look at it and you see that he stepped on his foot, it's a foul. It's a foul. I, I know that I know there's a suggestion that Morrow chose to f- go down and that he didn't have to go down. I don't know if I buy that. You're running at full speed. You go shoulder to shoulder and then you get stepped on. Chances are you're going to fall. Um, but you know what? It isn't just about that play, right? Toronto FC. Your guy loses the ball. Um, you have other guys in the other players in the penalty area, and those players did not respond. And that's not that's inexcusable. You know, it's one thing for the referee not to call a play in your favor and and to put you in a tough position. But tough position you have to be able to deal with tough positions, and they didn't deal with that tough position of having Brad Davis on the ball in the penalty area. Uh, Josh Williams, for me, you know what? He's as much to blame as the referee or linesman on this call because he had a chance to, sh- to, to, to push Brad Davis to the, to the end line. And instead, he cheated toward the end line, gave Brad Davis his left foot. And you, if you give Brad Davis his left foot from 10 yards away, I mean, he's going he's gonna to score on anyone. So that, that for me, I think has got to be disappointing if you're Toronto FC and you, and you watch that play and you watch that play develop. You can you can either complain about the call or you can look at the def- the defensive breakdowns that happen after the call, and that's the kind of stuff that can't that you can't afford to have happen. So, um, other otherwise it was a pretty it was a pretty predictable game from the standpoint of Toronto FC was looking to defend and counter. They want they were they were going to be happy with that point if they could get get a point. Sporting KC did try to attack and 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 TFC made it tough for them. 
But uh, you know what? If not for that play, it probably ends up being a draw, and a draw would have pretty probably been a, been a pretty fair result. But you know what? Sporting KC, you make your own luck, and 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 Brad Davis forced the issue there, and he and he and he was reward rewarded for his hustle, rewarded for his hard work on that play. And I definitely don't begrudge him because look, he's not the one who makes the call; the referee has to make the call. And um, so you know what? Credit to KC; they're three and zero, the only three and zero team now. Uh, and they're looking good. They're looking good. Nuno Coelho, I like him a lot. I think he's been one of the better newcomers in the early part of the season, uh, the center back. Um, Dom Dwyer, you know, he, he it's as I've said, it's going to be a big big key for him to have a big year for them. Um, but if you're Peter Ramiz, you're feeling pretty good. Not just because you're 3-0, but the way your team is playing, particularly defensively. Um, so that's week three. That's week three. Uh, we'll, we'll preview the, it's like three games or four games next week, uh, because of the international fixture break. I'll preview those games on the next episode. Um, and that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'll try to, uh, I'll wrap, I'm trying to wrap this up. I'm trying to think what else we can touch on. Uh, normally if I have like Garrett on or somebody, we could talk TV. I could talk about the walking dead. I'm sure, I'm sure some of our listeners would love to hear about the walking dead. Although I'm, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. So I won't, I won't talk about it. Um, but that's definitely on the rotation. The the OJ miniseries is on the rotation. T- uh, Better Call Saul is is also on, on my viewing rotation. Th- those are, those are my go to shows uh, lately. So uh, and then I watch a bunch with my wife that are okay. You know, Grey's Anatomy, Lucifer, you know, that kind of yeah, you know, popcorn TV viewing. But uh, but yeah, The Walking Dead is the go to. And then Game of Thrones is coming. So looking forward to that one. Uh, for sure. Um, that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm heading down to DC, as I said, uh, for a couple of days, and then uh, and then it's off to Columbus for the for the USA Guatemala game in Ohio. Uh, heading back out there for the first time since MLS Cup. Uh, it, it should be a good match. And 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 guess who might be in Columbus? Christian Pulisic, uh, the 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 17 year old American midfielder at Borussia Dortmund. Um, he was supposed to be called. He was supposed to be part of the the original U.S. Uh, national team training camp, but apparently he has an illness that kept him from coming in yet. But apparently he can still come in if he re- if he gets healthy. He he could come into Columbus next week, uh, and that's an interesting one. And I, I wrote a piece for Gold.com asking the question: Is it too soon? To be calling in, uh, to be calling in Christian Pulisic. Now, you know, I asked the question, but it doesn't mean I don't. I, I think that it is too early. I, I think it's. I think it's fine to bring him into a camp and have him kind of see how things go. I don't think Klinsman is bringing him in to be the answer right now. I mean, even though hey, he's at Dortmund, he's getting minutes. Very impressive, very impressive, and he, he's never looked out of place in the times that he's appeared for Dortmund. Um, but there is the question, you know, and it's funny because just a month ago, Jurgen Klinsman was kind of like telling people to calm down about Pulisic in his own way. He kind of was like, all right, look, we don't want to overhype this. You know, we don't want to put too much uh, pressure on right away. So he says that, and then like a month later, he's calling him into camp. Uh, I mean, I don't begrudge him for that. Um, I understand. And look, it's not the first time that Klinsman has called in a young guy. Um, As much as he is always cognizant of, of the track record of young Americans and how the American soccer fan kind of culture eats its eats its own young when it comes to overhyping these kids and then throwing them to the side when it when they don't work out. Um, Klinsman hasn't been afraid to call in guys who are maybe 
younger than 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 you would expect to call, to call in. I mean, Rubio Rubin, you know, was it two years ago? At, at the age of eighteen, he starts against Colombia in in London. Um, and obviously, Jordan Morris, he called in when he was in college. So Klinsman's not afraid of that if he, if he thinks you're ready, he'll call you in. And he's uh, Klinsman's only heard good things about about Pulisic uh, at Dortmund. And I tell you what, folks. Christian Pulisic is a very good player, but he's also he's a very mature player. He's very his head's on straight. He's not, you know, he he doesn't have the ego that maybe we've seen younger some younger Americans have in the past. And I'm sure he has an ego, but at the same time, when you're at Dortmund and you're fighting tooth and nail for everything, for every minute, every everything, every minute you can get, um, you know, you're gonna it's gonna build a certain kind of work ethic, and I think he has that, and and you only hear good things about him. And we'll see. We'll see if he gets called in, um, and we'll see if he comes in, if he can get, get healthy. Hopefully he can because I think having that experience to be with the group will be, will be one thing. And, and then there's also the idea about cap-tying him. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Pulisic is eligible to play for Croatia, and as much as I don't think that is realistically something that could happen, maybe it can, and if you're Klinsman, maybe you throw him into this Guatemala game. And then you don't have to worry about it. Um, of course, it's still up to Pulisic if he wants to play, if he wants to cap tie himself. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure Klinsman wants to do it. He'll deny it because he it, the same thing happened in November with Matt Miazga and and and, and Klinsman wanted to play dumb and was like, oh, well, cap tie. That's I don't care about that. And then he then he cap tied him in the, in any game he absolutely didn't need to play him in, um, which is fine. It's fine. You want to cap tie your guys. You want to. Um, and not cap time just for the sake of cap tying them, but you know you don't want them to uh, uh, have their heads turned, and and you need you don't need to look any further than uh, Christian Pulisic's club teammate Nevin Subotic, who we played for the U.S. Under 17s, and who you know what could have been a pretty darn good U.S. national team defender if he hadn't decided to go play for Serbia. So you, if you can avoid that situation, you, you you'll try to avoid it. So we'll see we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward. To it. I hope he goes to Columbus because. Uh, you know, I want to see what he's about and see if he can get in a, into that qualifier. Um, but that's it. That's wrapping it up. And uh, I, I don't think I said it earlier, but it is a bit of a sad day. Fife Dog of Tribe Called Quest has passed away. Uh, legendary rapper. Um, and if you're listening to this show and you don't know who he is and you don't know who Tribe Called Quest is, go Google it. Because uh, you're, well, number one, you're probably like 21 years old or younger. Um, but. You know, Tribe Called Quest, one of the great all-time rap groups, and and he was you know one of their main guys, and uh, a lot of good memories listening to that, listening to their songs today. Uh, and uh, he was a very, he was a good rapper. He's a good rapper. So uh, if you if you haven't listened to them, I suggest you listen to them. And if you do know about Tribe Called Quest, I'm sure you are like me, uh, listening to their songs today and reminiscing about the good old days. Uh, and, uh, and that's it. That's it. I wrap uh, wrapping it up. And uh, again, once again, apologies for the late show. Uh, I really want to try to have shows on Mondays going forward, uh, Mondays and uh, and Fridays. That's that's kind of the goal. But it's tough sometimes with everything that goes on and all the things I got I got rolling. Um, and just to remind everyone, uh, you definitely want to follow my Facebook page um, or like my Facebook page. I have my own personal uh, journalist page on there. I do videos. I do Q and A, live Q and As. Every Tuesday, uh, and, I, and I post all my stuff in there as well, all the different stories that I write. And of course, you want to make sure you're reading sbisoccer.com. Uh, and lastly, but not least, uh, if you haven't given 
the show a review on iTunes, please do so. It's been months since we've gotten a review. I'd love to hear some feedback on the format. And the solo host format is not necessarily going to stay. This is kind of just a, uh, you know, it's it's a means to an end. It's, it's a when I'm in situations where I can't find someone to be a co-host. Now I can do my own, which is what I've been doing lately, which was kind of part of the 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 change up with this with the show is that is that now it'll help make sure that i can have two shows a week which is kind of the goal um we'll work it out i'll start getting guests we'll start having uh, more consistent guest ho- guest co-hosts um that's the goal um so bear with me as we as we work through that hopefully the solo format isn't boring you guys to death i know some people will say oh you know Listening to one person for an hour or however long it is is a little too much. Uh, I, you know, I, I guess I kind of agree with that. So apologies if, if for those of you who are not digging the format, it's a bit of a stopgap. So bear with me as we work toward what will hopefully be uh, a much better uh, setup, more, much better format. So, um, but that's all for now. Uh, I, like I said, we'll ha- I'll have a show hopefully for Friday uh, morning, so you guys can uh, can hear hear some thoughts on the on the on the big games on Friday. USA Colombia U23s and uh, USA uh, Guatemala World Cup qualifying both on Friday, both big matches. Uh, I'll be in Washington D.C. for those. I don't know where I'll be watching them. Uh, I know there's a watch party. I know there's an AO watch party in D.C., but I don't know if I'll be going to that since I, I kind of need to write. Uh, I need to watch the game and, and write about the game. So I don't know. If, I don't know if the, the the bar scene will be the place to do that, but. Who knows? Maybe I'll make it out. Um, but that's it. That's all for now. And make sure you come back and join uh, and join us uh, on Friday. Uh, that's all for now. I'm Ivis Galarsa. This is the SBI Show.